Here comes that moon again, just like an old friend. There's a choir of crickets and they're singing those summer hymns. And nothing beats the sight of the mountains on a July night. Wave that silver light knows all the right places to shine. Tomorrow will be perfect weather. We should hit the river. There's no better time to start. Living the sweet life, rolling in sunshine, rocking the good time with all our friends. Easy and carefree, out of the summer breeze, all of the simple thanks are hours on end. Around right about sundown. Good morning, everybody. Full disclaimer, in the last like month, I have played two country songs here at Church in the Valley. I don't think that's happened in the previous 10 or so years. Uh, but welcome to Church in the Valley. Uh, we're launching a new series called The Sweet Life, uh, which that song uh, was its own version. Uh, the country singer there was speaking about kind of his view of, of what the sweet life is, uh, kind of... Being outdoors, being with friends, being with family, that, that's the sweet life, according to his perspective. And we're really glad you're here. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about what does the Bible say about what the sweet life is and, and how do you get it? And in order for us to, to do that and take a journey uh, towards that, uh, we have to also come to grips with what's our own view of what the sweet life is. And so that's what we're going to be spending some time over the next four weeks. What's our view of the sweet life? And then what does God have to say about that? And then how do we actually take steps to match up with, with God's view of the sweet life in view of some of our own views? And so we're going to be digging into the scriptures. We're going to be talking about a common perspective and different things that kind of we're innately drawn to as, as humans. And it, it should be a fun time. Like Ben mentioned, uh, my name is Alex Barrett and I'm the campus pastor here. And if this is your first time, uh, we want you to, to feel welcome. And also everyone, just so you know, there are plenty of donuts left for after the service. So speaking of the sweet life, you can go get some more of that after, after this is done. Like Ben said, we're going to be together about an hour. And the good news is that started when we're singing, not necessarily when I start speaking. So I'll, I'll try my best. Uh, but I want to kind of set the stage for what our culture and what maybe our, our American view of what the, the sweet life is. Like, if we were going to project and say that person epitomizes the sweet life, the good life, a successful life, what would what would that look like? And so I, I kind of was thinking about that myself uh, this past week, thinking through what's kind of the view of, of culture. And with the Olympics, uh, just this past summer, just a month ago or so, uh, you, you get a picture of like the sweet life and no one like represents that more than than this this guy. Uh, anyone know who that is? Michael Phelps, right? Like if you're going to think about an athlete, like he has the sweet life. No one is more decorated or successful than he has ever been. And so that's like the sweet life. An athlete, if you're not in athletics, uh, then we, we look to other common people or common images of what the sweet life could be. Uh, it could be being a CEO of like a Forbes top one, top 100. You want to be the next game changer. You want your, you want your, your picture to be like looking off in the distance at your success. And then you can be on a magazine cover or uh, it could be being a Hollywood star. Um, anyone know who that is? Harry Potter, right? Don't know his real name. Think his first name's Harry. Okay. Daniel, Daniel Radcliffe. Or if you've just been working a long time, this could be your view of like the sweet life. 
it's just retirement. Just put two chairs down on a beach somewhere and, and that would be the sweet life. But I don't know about you. In my common world, I'm in no danger of being like an Olympic athlete. You guys probably knew that. I'm also in no danger of retiring. I, I don't have that in the near future. A uh, little too late for me to be a Hollywood star. And Forbes hasn't called me. And so, you know, I can't gauge my own sweet life according to like the culture's ultimate athlete or star or success story. But for me, I have my own views. And I just want you to think as we get started, what is your own view of the sweet life for you? Like if you could set the stage for what you want your life to look like, what you want your life to be all about, what is the sweet life for you? What's the ultimate picture. You don't have to close your eyes or anything. It's not that type of, of meeting. But just think about it in your head just for about 10 seconds. What's the sweet life for you? Just come like, kind of come up with the first thing that pops in your head. What's the sweet life for you? Everybody got it? For any of you, was it like an Olympic athlete? Like that's okay. Then we're, we're on the same page, but we, we have that. And I just kind of want to go like, again, this is a little far fetched for some of us, but what, what's the sweet life? And so I was just kind of thinking about that in my own life. Certainly the sweet life for us would be, maybe we don't, don't want to be the CEO of a company, but like continual promotion and raises like that would be sweet. Right. Like if we were in a job where we can kind of continually be promoted, make more money over time, get success, that that would be sweet uh, to be accepted, to be popular, to have a group of people that, that love me and I love them. And I'm kind of in this group like that. That could be the sweet life to be accepted by a group of people to have kids that are successful. If your parents uh, that that's a part of your sweet life, you want your kid to be successful, not only for their own life, but the more successful your kids are, that. That makes you look good, too. And that's kind of a sweet experience as well. And so related to family, we have this related to our work. We have it uh, just related to our own friends. Uh, for some of us, just being in a relationship is the sweet life. Being loved, being in a marriage, that could be the sweet life. For others, like just being single the rest of our life, that could be the sweet life, the polar opposite. But it's, it's different for each of us. And for each of us, we kind of have our own like this is where life will just come together. If I get this picture, if this picture becomes the reality of my life. That's the sweet life. And so no matter kind of your view, I, I want you to kind of bear that in mind. Keep that kind of at the forefront of your mind, because that's your your picture of, of success. That's your picture of like having arrived somewhere, kind of being at a place where all of life has has come together. But what we're going to be talking about today is a little bit more than just success, because if we were to kind of do a poll and a survey of like the most successful people in our culture, you find that success doesn't equal actually a sweet life. So many people, whether they're athletes or whether they're stars or whether they're singing, whatever it is that they're successful at, a lot of them have, have actually miserable lives. In fact, most people that have arrived at the epitome of success they oftentimes look back at a simpler time of their life when they weren't as successful. When people just related to them as normal people, when people didn't have demands on them or kind of leveraged them for their power, for their money. 
And so the, the sweet life and success aren't necessarily the, the same thing because people are successful, but their lives aren't necessarily sweet. And so it's, it's actually more than that. But to get to the sweet life, we actually need to make sure our picture is correct. And if you look at the front of your program, if you, if you have one, and if you don't, we have some more back there and somebody could help you get those. But there's a picture that, that looks like this. It's also up here on the screen. This is a picture of, of the sweet life in our program. And if you look, that kind of seems like the perfect picture for me. Like in a hammock, got some lemonade. You've got a dog that's entertaining himself. Like you don't even have to walk the dog. Like that's a sweet life. Like it's just good on its own. The grass is green. But look at his face. It doesn't seem that sweet, right? Kind of a little disillusioned, kind of like, man, I'm here, but it's not what I thought. That's what can happen if we don't have the right view of the sweet life. We can actually get to the place where we experience the success, or we get to the place where the picture that we had in our mind is now complete, and we can end up looking like that. Like, I'm here, I got to the destination, but it's not all that I thought it would be. So the good news is, we're actually not left alone lying in our hammock just trying to figure it out on our own. We have our creator, God, who's actually in the scriptures given us the way to experience a real sweet life that can save us the heartache and the turmoil of kind of spending our years, spinning our wheels, ending up looking like that. And so I want to talk today about kind of Jesus' way and his view of success, because again, that, that really determines a lot of what the sweet life is. And so this week we're going to be talking a lot about success, honor, and a good reputation. Because that's really part of the sweet life for all of us. We want success. There's nothing wrong with success. In fact, if you're a Christian, you should want to be successful. Because if you're doing life God's way, your life should come together. But it's more than just being successful. And honor, that's important. And a good reputation, that's important too. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Next week, we're going to be talking about the idea of peace, how we want peace in our sweet life, and then how do we get it. And then we're going to be talking also about how do we experience like good relationships where we can actually deal with conflict. And then we're going to also be talking about money. So that's where we're going to be kind of spending the next few weeks. But today, this idea of success, honor, and a good reputation, how do we get that in in the way according to what, what God has to say. And so I want to start with kind of Jesus' path to this sweet life. And as we, you follow Jesus, if you're a follower of Christ, oftentimes the path that he takes us on is, is different than what makes sense to us. In fact, so much of Jesus' teaching in the scriptures are like counterintuitive for how we think life should work. If you've ever read the Bible, and I encourage you to read the Bible, sometimes you read it, you, you can find yourself saying that that doesn't really make sense. How would that work? And today is kind of like that. We're going to be talking about the sweet life, but it's a little bit different than what we might think. So Jesus, he offers this sure path to the sweet life. In fact, this is something that he said to his, his followers. He wanted them to know that if they followed him, if they went his way and lived life according to what Jesus said, their life would actually be full. And, and you, you see that in John 10, 10, and it's up here on the screen too. It says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That's the kind of life that, that Jesus wants us to have, a rich 
and satisfying life. Now, if you read that, you're like, yes, Jesus wants me to be rich. No, he wants you to have a rich life. Sometimes that may mean you're like not rich at all. Again, a little counterintuitive. But you can have a rich life, a good life, a valuable life, and not actually maybe have as much money as you think you should have. But then the, the, the next part is, is important too. It will also be satisfying. And that's Jesus' promise. So as we're talking about the sweet life, here at Church in the Valley, our goal is, what does Jesus have to say about that? And the idea of faith is believing that if Jesus says we follow him and we can have a rich and satisfying life, it's the idea that we believe that that is true. We believe that he offers a sweeter life than any other life we could live outside of following him. That's really what it means to be a Christian. His way, his path leads to a greater life than my own way or my own path. That's what faith is. I'm trusting that that path will get me to what God promised, a rich and satisfying life. That's what we all want. But again, it's different than what we might think. And so I just want to start with kind of a a teaching that, that Jesus had to his followers and to the crowds where he was kind of trying to paint this picture. If you want a sweet life, you want honor and you want status and you want success, which I think all of us would say, yeah, that would be good. He shows them how to do it. And it starts with this idea that the steps to the sweet life on Jesus' path, they actually lead downward, but they take you higher. Okay? The, the steps on Jesus' path, they, they lead you downward, but they, they take you higher. My view of success is climb the ladder. Take the steps up, right? If, if I want to do well, I have to keep moving up. I need to get higher in my success, in my earnings, in my influence, and I have to climb up. What Jesus is teaching is saying that actually to get up, to get to the place where you have real influence, you actually have to take a downward path. You guys see what I'm saying? Like sometimes when you read the scriptures, you're like, what? That doesn't really make sense. So, so bear with me. One of Jesus' main like parables that he taught related to this happened at a party. And he used these crowds, and, and oftentimes what Jesus did when a group of people were gathered, he spent a lot of time just observing, and he'd be watching people, and he'd be analyzing them by what they did and their decisions. And what he would do is he would watch and observe, and then he would use that as teachable moments. And this is the same in this, in this party that, that he was a part of. And in Luke 14, he's on this, this party for this prominent Pharisee, a religious leader, and he's seeing kind of all the people relate and, and interact with each other. And, and he, he begins to teach a parable and it goes like this. Now, he told a parable to those who were invited to this party. All these people are gathered when he noticed how they chose the places of honor. So everyone was just picking the best seats at the party. There were vacated seats and people were just coming in like, well, I want that seat. It's closer to the food. Okay? Or I want that seat, it's closer to this really important person. And so everyone was just coming to this party, choosing these, these places of honor. And so Jesus said, saying to them, when you're invited by someone to a wedding fe- feast, do not sit down in a place of honor. So if you're coming to a party, don't go to the best seats. And so I'm sure people are like, okay, th- thank you, Jesus, that's good, good lesson. Get the cheap seats. Make sure I do that. But, but then he goes on. And he who invited you both. Oh, sorry. 
it goes on. It says, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. Basically, if you're sitting in a really good seat and that wasn't your seat, somebody more important than to you gets that seat. And there's nothing more embarrassing than having to get up from a seat that you weren't supposed to sit in and then go to the cheap seats. Okay, it's a little harder for us, but picture like we're at a baseball game and, you know, in a baseball game, there's hundreds of seats that are always vacated that we never pay for. But we want to go sit there. Would it be like an usher in front of everyone saying, this man paid for the cheap seats, but he's sitting in a really good seat. And now I will walk him to his cheap seats. And, you know, you could imagine the crowd. And you're just like, hi, everybody. Just play ball. Just keep watching. It's embarrassing. And that, Jesus is saying it's, you know, you don't want to get booted from your seat. But that happens if you choose the place of honor. And he goes on and says, and he who invited you will both will you and he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. So this is like the walk of shame. You got the higher seat, the good seat, the best seat. And then now it gets taken from you and you have to go to a worse seat. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. And then he ends this parable, this teaching with this, this thought. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. That right there is a picture into what Jesus is saying the sweet life is all about. And you know what? It's much more than a wedding feast. Again, Jesus used kind of a situation to teach a circumstance that was happening but what you find is as you kind of read it and you think about it more he's not just saying hey you guys if you're ever at weddings pay attention because this is really important it's so much more than just a wedding he's actually teaching about how life actually works and so this idea of the sweet life kind of comes with this this caveat and the first is taking a place of honor in your life If you take a place of honor, it will actually bring you down. That's what Jesus' teaching is. If you decide to fight for your own honor and you decide to pick the best for yourself, if you decide that you are going to fight for that which you think you deserve, the very thing that you want gets taken from you. So oftentimes if you want honor, but you're pushing to the front of the line to get it, you actually don't get it. It gets taken from you. And we kind of know this innately in how life works. Yesterday I was at the UPS store. Apparently there's like a new phone coming out. And every single person at the UPS store was waiting for this new phone. Including myself. And you have to get in the line before the line. So there's a line outside the UPS store and you have to wait in that line. And there's security guards. This is no joke. There are security guards that are actually like only letting one customer go in as another customer goes out. I'm like, this is crazy. So I'm waiting outside in the line and then I get inside and there's another line. And there's security guards at the UPS store. Two of them. One is holding the door just in case somebody cuts, you know, just shut the door, shut the door. You're not allowed. And I was just thinking, like, 
if somebody would have decided that they could just kind of go to the front of the line, does, does that go well? Usually not. Not if you've been the one waiting in line. And so we kind of have this in a common experience. Like, okay, yeah, orderly line. Life doesn't get ahead if you want to, you, you want to cut, if you try to move in front of people. But, but what happens so much in life is, is we may not cut in lines. We may not kind of go in front of people. But it's usually when we enter a situation, who are we thinking about first? And if we're honest with ourselves, most of the time we're thinking of ourself first. And Jesus is saying, if you go about life thinking about yourself first and your own reputation and your own success, and you are number one in your world and everyone is secondary, then, then you're actually going to not get the honor that you want. You're not going to get the success you long for. And you actually aren't going to have a good reputation. Those things will be taken from you. You're going to experience shame. And so this idea of the sweet life is something that you have to fight for and take from others and look out for your own. So common and that makes sense to us. But Jesus is saying it will be stripped from you. The very honor you want, you will not have. And then he kind of shows the opposite side. Deference brings tremendous benefits. Deferring to other people actually brings benefits that you don't even think could happen. And this, this idea of deference, if you look at the dictionary, it means this. Yielding an opinion, submission of judgment to the opinion or judgment of another. Hence, regard, respect. It's this idea that we actually value what other people have to say. We value what other people think. In fact, we respect other people. So we're not just pushing for ourselves. We're not just trying to get what we want. We actually look out for other people. That's what it means to defer. And this, this is what Jesus is saying. If you take your place, which if you want the sweet life, and if you're a follower of Christ, our place is to humble ourselves. And what Jesus is saying is if you want a sweet life, it happens on the path of humility. Not about you, but if I started this message this morning and said the picture in your head of what your sweet life is, my picture wasn't like, you know, if I could just go about my days humbling myself, that would be the sweet life, right? It's not what I was thinking. What Jesus is saying is if, if you want a sweet life, no matter what circumstance you find yourself in, if you choose humility and you defer you will actually get honor. You actually get respect. You will actually find success. And so the path, path of the sweet life goes through humility. It doesn't go around it in any way. And back to, to that verse in verse 11. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the core truth of the sweet life. And this is faith. That if I humble myself, Jesus will take care of me. If I put others in front of me, Jesus will take care of me. If I don't fight for what I think I deserve, Jesus will take care of me. That's what he's saying. The sweet life comes as you humble yourself. That's what following Christ is all about. Not because the Christians are better people, but we humble ourselves knowing that we don't have to fight. Jesus is the one who takes care of us. He is God. 
And He will meet our needs. He will give us what we long for. He will give us the honor and the respect that He wants us to have. That's what He does. That's what makes Him God. This also echoes some other parts in Scripture. Proverbs 22, 4 says, The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. A fear of the Lord is this idea of I'm going to take God seriously. If God says that I need to do something, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to play games with God. I'm not going to try to act like I'm following him, but at the same time really doing what I think makes sense or what I want to do. Fear of the Lord is God said this is truth. I believe it and I'm going to base my life on it. There's a seriousness there. So humility and fear of the Lord, it actually leads to this, again, this riches, this rich life and honor and life. The idea is is respect. There's a respect that you get if this is true of your life. But here's the thing. All of us face situations where either circumstances are beyond our control, like we have the success We have what it takes, but it's not happened yet. Or we just feel like we're trying to do things, but we don't have what it takes. And we just feel stuck. The good news with this is it's saying like despite our talent, despite our gifts, despite our personality, despite all that we have that we bring to the table. And God has made us all unique and he's made us with unique strengths. And we have weaknesses as well. What it's saying is, is despite some of the things that can frustrate us because just things aren't lining up, things aren't adding up, we're not getting ahead like we had hoped. If this is true, it means that ultimately if we if we defer and we trust God to take care of us, it it will happen. Somebody who helped me along in my own life, just as I was growing spiritually, said something that really helped me. And he said, you know, God is in charge of your reputation. And I, when I first heard that, I, I was like, oh, yeah, God's in charge of my reputation. That, that's good. But what this person was saying to me was, you actually choose to do what's right and don't care what other people think about you. That's what that means. Again, God will take care of you. If you do what's right, he's in charge of your reputation. And that's so counterintuitive because it just feels like, well, I have to fight to make sure people know if I've done something that I'm going to get the credit for it. The idea is, you know, do what's right and God will take care of you. He's in charge of your reputation. If we're going to take Jesus' route to the sweet life, if this path is sure and this is what he said and it is true, then we must humble ourselves and let others have the spotlight. So I just want to kind of talk about a little bit practically, what does this mean in your life? What what does it mean in my life? If our role is to not just fight for what we think we deserve or to use our power to get what we want, if we're actually supposed to be people that choose humility, what does that what does that look like in daily life? And so I'm just thinking through different situations. All of us have people that we talk to in conversations one of the ways that, that we do this and we, we defer and we, we choose humility is when we're talking to people in conversations, we actually ask people how they are doing. 
Isn't that just such a novel idea? But have you ever just, when was the last time you just talked to somebody and said, how are you doing? And it was more than just good and you walked away. You notice like in today's day and age, it's like, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Good. And then sometimes you even like answer good and they've not even asked you. You, you notice that? It's like automatic. It's like a greeting. Hi, how are you doing? They say good. And then you say good and you're like, oh, they didn't even ask me. That was embarrassing. But you don't, you know, it's just this awkward. That's how like relationships function right now. It's like, hi, hi, good, good, great. What this is saying is like, defer, stop, slow down, ask somebody how they're doing. And in the conversation, listen to what they have to say. That's a way you actually choose humility. I don't have to dominate a conversation. Now, for you extroverts, this is going to be a little bit more of a struggle. For you introverts, you're just like, I just, I just smile a lot. I just listen. But for those who like to talk, like listening is difficult. Because you're thinking like, that's great what you have to say, but wait till I tell you what I got to say. Are you done yet? 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 But deferring is like, how are you doing? And you listen and you ask questions and you get into somebody else's world. That's just a practical way. And that actually leads to respect. People respect you because you care. And that can lead to, to the sweet life. Uh, in groups... In a situation, like when there's donuts, it's about to get real. What if there was like one like chocolate glazed Krispy Kreme donut left in the box? Like there's only one, and all the rest are like the original glazed. And the chocolate glazed is your favorite. What do you do? I told you it's going to get real. What do you do? Right? You assume, well, everyone always likes the original glazed. I'm the only one that likes chocolate. So you take it, right? Well, this is the battle that goes on. It's like in little things like this. But the thought is like, if I don't take the donut, I don't get the donut. And if I don't get the donut, I don't get what I want. And that's how life works. We see what we want. And if we think we don't take it, then we're not going to get it. And if we don't get it, we're not going to be satisfied. So it happens in just things like that in groups. When you arrive at a situation, whether it's at work or whether it's in family life, the first thing we think is like, okay, how, how am I going to get the goodness out of here? If it's in a family situation, you don't really want to be there. You're thinking, how do I get out of here as soon as possible? Very rarely is it, how can I enter this group and help? It's hard to think like that. Because oftentimes we want to be convenienced. We want to be helped. We want to be cared for. We want to be thought about. We want to be important. We want to be popular. We want to be accepted. And what Jesus is saying is if you go into a situation and you lay your demands in a relationship on all that you want, you will not get it. But instead, if you go into a situation and look, how can you be a help and how can you give to other people what they may need? You can have a satisfying, rich life. But you actually have to, in the nitty-gritty day-to-day, say no to yourself. That's the hardest thing about experiencing the sweet life. 
It's humility. Saying no to yourself. Saying no to your own things that you really want really bad. At work, can we defer at work? Certainly. A lot of times that happens in in expressing appreciation. There's somebody on your team that you're working with and they're doing a good job or a classmate on a group project or somebody that they have worked hard. Instead of wanting credit for your own part, you express appreciation for what they've done. You can even take it a step further. To your boss, you let the boss know how somebody else worked really hard on your team. I don't know about you, but that's not the norm. The norm is, I hope I get credit. And if I don't get credit, how can I make sure I get it someday? What Jesus is saying is, if you humble yourself, you will be lifted up. He will take care of you. If you put others in front of you, your life will not just disintegrate and you won't have any sort of investment in other people. It will be people will actually want to relate to you, you will have a good life, good relationships, and success will come. So the path to the sweet life comes through humility. It it doesn't go around it. So Jesus makes this clear again and again and again. Here's kind of wrapping up the thought on this. When we defer to others, we actually plant seeds out of which the sweet life grows. And so that's why we kind of start on this today, because if we talk about sweet life and our success and what we really want, you, you actually have to plant the right kinds of seeds for the sweet life to grow. And it happens out of this deference. It happens from this humility. And so I, I want to encourage you right now in, in your own world, uh, whether you're a student or you're a mom or you're a wife, a husband friend, at work, any of the different relationships that you have, what are some situations right now in your life where you can defer and put others in front of yourself? Are there any situations in your own life which you can begin to put this into practice? So I want you, I want you to, to think about that as, as I wrap up. Just kind of think, what are the different places in my own life and the different people that I'm interacting with where I can actually choose to make this a reality? If you're at a place where you're not even there yet, you're just trying to think, well, I don't know if humility is actually the path that's going to get me to the sweet life I want. I want you to consider, if humility is not the path and Jesus' way doesn't seem to make sense what's your alternative like what's another option what are you hoping will happen because what i found is i have to actually come to grips with are the decisions and the things that i'm wanting going to get me to the destination where i actually need to be and for my own life a lot of times there's a disconnect And I don't see that my decisions and my choices and the way I treat people are actually going to put me over here and I'm going to get to this destination. And oftentimes it's not going to be good. The relationships aren't going to be helpful. I'm actually not going to be a person that's loving those around me. And I get to this place where I want everything. I want everything good and I want everything right, but I'm not willing to actually 
make those hard choices. So I, I just want you to just kind of think about what, what's my own view of the sweet life. And if I'm honest with myself, how will my decisions and my priorities and my goals get me there? And that's when you can begin to actually have an, an honest conversation. And so wherever you are, I encourage you to think about that. What's your own view of the sweet life and how will you get there? And then if you've decided to follow Christ or you're at least trying to kind of experience what this Christianity thing is all about, start with just choosing to humble yourself in some of the situations you find yourself and see what happens. Do a little experiment. See, see what comes from it. And I encourage you to do that. I'm going to go ahead and, and be done and wrap up our time. If you could pull out your connection card that, that Ben had you fill out, you can finish uh, completing that. And there's some next steps that you can take. I've given you some questions that you can think about, but there's some specific next steps you could choose to apply uh, this next week. And the first is kind of like I've already mentioned, but choose to defer in a situation uh, that God has brought to mind. If there's a relationship that you have, if there's like a project at work, if there's just a situation where you think this is where I could defer. I, I encourage you to think about that and, and do it. The second step is trust God with your reputation and humble yourself. That's the idea of, if I choose to do right and do things Jesus' way, I'm going to trust that, that God will take care of me. So you have to make a decision initially to do that, and then you have to make daily decisions to remind yourself. And then third is attend the rest of the series and invite a friend. If there's a friend that you have that you're relating to, invite them to church. They may be looking for a church. They may not, but maybe there's some things that they're just trying to figure out in their life. And you could invite them. And next week, we're going to be talking about this idea of the sweet life and peace and, and harmony. So hope you can come back, invite a friend, and we'd love to see you next week. Let's, let's pray together, and then we're going to sing another song and receive our offering. Let's pray. God, I do ask that you will just challenge our, our own view of success and our own understanding of the good life, the sweet life. And I, I ask that you'll help us to be honest with ourselves, just with what we want in life and how we want to go about getting it. And just help us to evaluate is, is what we want and what we're getting, is that actually the life that we want? And God, if, if any of us are disillusioned or frustrated, will you use that to motivate us to, to seek you? to ask questions, to find answers. And God, just for all of us, as we're interacting with so many people, uh, help us to, to choose humility and just to see what, what happens in a situation where we defer. And God, just show us, help our eyes to see uh, what, what happens and, and to learn from that. And so provide those opportunities this week. We ask that you'll do that. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.